Welcome to The Jimmy Rex Show, a podcast that will inspire you to notice the ordinary events in your life that with a little action could make your life and the lives of others extraordinary. Here's your host, adventurer, entrepreneur, mentor, Jimmy Rex. I don't exaggerate when I say that the guest on today's show has accomplished the greatest physical achievement in the history of mankind. James Lawrence, better known as the Iron Cowboy, set out to do something that nobody has ever done before, that nobody has even attempted to do before. And what he did is he did 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days. I couldn't even eat an ice cream cone in 50 states in 50 days. For those of you that aren't familiar with what an Ironman is, it's over 110 miles riding a bike. It's 112, I believe. It's two and a half mile swim and a full marathon, 26.2 miles. I know when I ran my marathon, I couldn't walk for a week. So what this man did and his accomplishment for charity and just for peace of mind to really inspire people to do incredible things with their lives, it's such an honor for me to introduce my guest today, James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy. Elevate Home Warranty is a local Utah company, and they know what it means to take care of their customers, take care of their neighbors, as they like to call them. It's a local company. They use local contractors. Uh, Whether you have a pipe leak, your AC or furnace goes out, maybe your kitchen appliances break down, uh, with plans starting as low as $300, they save you thousands of dollars in repairs throughout the home. They want to focus on your family and giving you peace of mind when you buy your new home, because here in Utah, they want to help elevate your life. All right, well, you just heard the introduction, James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy. Pleasure to be here, man. Awesome, man. Thanks, Jimmy. This is, uh, when I first heard about what you were trying to attempt, and I say trying because at the time it seemed so outrageous to me. We have a mutual friend, Edward Bozar, and you were training with him up in Heber City, and he told me you were going to, I think at the time you were getting ready to do the, the, half, mar- or the half triathlons. Because you set a record for... No, I would have I already done the halves and the fulls. Okay, so you were getting ready already for the, the 50 then. Yeah, but I, I just remember hearing it, and I literally thought to myself, that it's not even possible. <laughs> you can't do that. That's pretty common. Yeah, I bet it is. So it was interesting. So I immediately kind of... That was before you really had announced, though, and kind of started your media campaign behind what you were going to do. Um, and it just intrigued me. So from the beginning, I was really intrigued with what you, what sure. you were about to accomplish. So... Yeah. Um, I want to read real quick the stats of what it takes to do 50 triathlons in 50 days in 50 states because it's quite remarkable. You basically swam 120 miles, you biked 5,600 miles, and you ran 1,311 miles in 50 days. And the sheer logistics of making that happen, just getting to 50 states in 50 days, I think is sure uh, almost impossible for most people. I, I, I had a, I had a buddy or an acquaintance say to me once, he was like, um, it's cute. What you're, you think you're going to do He's like, I don't think I could get an ice cream cone in 50 days in 50 states. Well, that's the whole thing is I've traveled and planned a lot of trips and just so many things come up and logistically things happen. Traveling's just exhausting. That, that alone. Yeah. And that's, I mean, until I read your book, I didn't realize the magnitude of how difficult it was to catch sleep and other things. Because you started in Hawaii, and you had to start at midnight to even finish. Is that? Yeah. Well, you got to start at midnight to catch the last plane out to land in Alaska in the morning to where you can start the second one, right? Right. No, so, yeah, you're, we're, we're behind, we were behind the eight ball, right? Right from the, from know, the very beginning. The first well, you said uh, one of your toughest triathlons you did was the third day. 
in Washington, I believe. Is that, was it just the travel catching up to the no sleep? Yeah, three and four were, were difficult because, you know, your excitement's gone, adrenaline's gone, and your reality is kind of setting in and what you've, what you've bitten off and what you've committed to do. And uh, when, you, when you start falling asleep on the bike on day four, <laughs> you know, when, you, when you're looking down a path of 46 consecutive Ironmans, I mean, you're talking six and a half weeks of no idea how, how you're going to do something, right? And so, yeah, waking up on day four and, and getting through that, you, you, it's, it, that's a real moment when you're like, yeah, what, well, I, what are we doing? What you accomplished to me is the single greatest feat of a human that I've ever heard of. And the reason I say that is because most difficult things that you do, you can get through it because you know you if you get through it, I can rest tomorrow or I can take at least a, in a couple of days I can rest or whatever. And with you doing 50 in 50 days with no rest in between, just the mental toughness that that would take going from one to the next to the next. I mean, I ran a marathon in November. It was my first one. Yeah. And I literally, by the way, during my marathon, uh, multiple times I like pulled uh, strength from what you did. Yeah. I seriously did. I was like, dude, this is one marathon. This is like such a small part of everything that James did. One of the, one of the coolest things I get to experience now is, is emails that we'll get where, where someone was training for the first or the first marathon or first Ironman or first half. And uh, the, the realization where they say, okay, that what you did was unbelievable and I pulled strength from that. And then it's always followed it up with um, the, the, the fact that um, the appreciation level, you know, they, they thought it was, you know, nuts and on another level to begin with. And, it, you know, I, I go around the world and I speak mm-hmm. and, and I speak to, you know, business audiences and, and just, you're average Jordan, not, not always athletes. And, um, you know, there's mind blow. That's the feel, Right. And then they'll go do something, and a year later they were like, I was, you know, mind-blown, no, no words in, in that moment. And then now having and going attempted just one, my appreciation level and comprehension of what you did is beyond words. Right? And so that, that's, that's what's really humbling for, for me, and it, it's, it's fun. Well, it, yeah, because when I woke up the next morning, it took me two hours to get my shoes on and get yeah. out of it. I'm not joking. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I almost missed my flight. I did the New York marathon, yeah, and oh, so yeah. I was flying home the next day. And I, I, I want to do the New York one. It's, it was pretty awesome because you have over a million people lying in the streets. It's insane. Well, and that was one of the things I was going to ask you because the reason I chose New York marathon is because I get bored above tired, at least like on a short Mar- sure. One marathon, right? Sure. I'm sure when you're doing is what you were doing, the magnitude is tired is number one. But I just would get bored when I run. And so I said, well, if I do the New York running, marathon. Running's boring. <laughs> it is boring. Yes. You, you've said that. Oh, you don't even like no, running. No, running's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was for me. How did you prevent from getting bored? Because I had to choose something that I knew would stimulate me the whole time so I didn't get bored. Was that one of the hardest things that you had to fight doing that? Yeah, I mean, that just, that's just an opportunity for the, the voices to come out, right? And those long conversations with yourself. And, uh, you know, the longer you're out there and the more bored you get, the easily, more easily you can get distracted and be susceptible to those moments where you can get turned mm-hmm. and you can get talked out of what you're, what you're doing. And so it was very, very challenging in those moments because they were fast and they were often. And uh, I just got really good at having those conversations. The voices never go away. Um, but, yeah, I mean... 
I was never alone, but I was always alone. Um, it was always strangers. It was always the same conversations. <laughs> I, I was in just autopilot, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, boredom was at an all-time high. I mean, you're talking, you're talking 14 hours a day for seven weeks of just like you and your thoughts. And you, you find out who you are. I bet you in, do. In, the, in those moments, right? Well, and one of my first mentors would always say, uh, success is falling in love with repetitious boredom. Because a lot of the times, especially nowadays, you hear a lot of do what you love. If you don't love it, don't do it. If, you know, but I think there's a better message to be learned from what you did. Is The hardest things, the most rewarding things that we do aren't typically the funnest things that we do. But it's that getting in that boredom and being able to recognize that that's something good for you is very empowering. Monotony is an underrated superpower. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I love to tell people on stage that, look, you, you want to become the best at something, you have to master the basics. And those basics are boring, right? Mm -hmm. But when things become the toughest, they should become the easiest because you've mastered those basics, right? Mm -hmm. It should, when you're in it and it's a fight, you, it's got to be automatic. And you can revert back to that and know, I can take the next step, right? Like, I, I learned how to walk as a baby, right? <laughs> right. And so I knew if I got up against it, just take the next step. Like that's the, the most basic of basic. I've been walking my whole life. Mm. Take the next step. Take the next step. When you say that a lot is, you know, that one more step, it won't kill you. And when you recognize that it won't kill you, you can actually do it. For sure. So were you always this way, like as a child, were you very goal-driven and oriented this way? or How did that develop over time? I don't think anybody is. Um, I, it, mental toughness and fortitude and grit, and you have to develop it. You have to figure it out. You have to learn it. it it's, it's a skill set. Just like physica, physicality and cardiovascularly and muscular endurance and all these things, they're skill sets. And if you don't stay sharp with them, they, they get weak. And if you don't train, you get weak. It's not just physical out there. It's not just mental out there. I mean, it's just there's so many. It's spiritual out there. It's physical. It's mental. And you have to be working on all these facets of your game. You're not going to come close to something like this unless you are dividing and conquering all these things. And so, no, you're not born with it. I wasn't born with it. It's something that you have to figure out. And you have to. You, I, I talk on stage about be. When was the last time you intentionally were uncomfortable? You know, we're, cre we're creatures of comfort. Right. We love it, right? But yeah. when was the last time you intentionally got uncomfortable so that you could learn and grow? Face some fears on purpose, right? Th those are the moments where, okay, this is going to suck for now. But when I'm up against it and when it counts, I'm going to draw back on this experience, right? I love that. Well, Tony Robbins talks about he takes a very cold plunge every morning for like two minutes because it purposely makes his body uncomfortable like hey why are you doing this to yeah. me and that very act I, that's one of the reasons why i'm doing a fitness show in a couple of months and one of the reasons why is somebody said i said i don't have that much resistance in my life right now and i wanted to put some in place because i know that that discipline really helps create a better version of you well and, and people just assume oh you're you know they see the headline right and what i've done and they think that's me all the time and that it's easy for me, easy for me. Uh, I've, I've gotten a little complacent the last couple of years because, uh, not, not complacent, but just, just distracted. I'm, I'm working on other things. I'm working on impacting people. We're working on coaching people and, and getting people to be their best athletes and the best version of themselves. 
And so I've kind of like stopped working on me a little bit. Mm. And I've got some I've got some big races coming up next next year that I'm like if I don't if I don't start now there's no cramming for these tests. Like I I've taken for granted the shape I've been in for a decade. Yeah. Right. And that's what sucks about fitness is is you you let off for six months or a year and it's all gone, all gone. And is it easier to get back once you've already had it? No, man. It's so hard right now. You know, I'm getting back into training. I'm 18 months out and. And if there's anything that people take away from anything I say, it's like, give your big goals the time respect they need to get ready for them. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I've got a, I've got a big goal, end of nineteen, and I'm, I'm thinking right now, I'm like, it, it's now. Like now is is the time that I need to really, you know, jump in and get dedicated. Or it's not going to happen. Oh, I love that. I think there's a saying out there: people way overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in ten. I, I love the idea of respecting the goal really yeah. giving it if it's a it, and there's a saying too if the goal's not big enough to scare you it's not yeah. big enough of a goal right yeah and, I, and I'm the goal doesn't scare me but I, I'm scared with my what, what's going to happen if I don't do anything between now and then and and what that's going to what that's going to feel like when I, when I get there and it's it, it won't be pretty yeah. it won't be pretty <laughs> yeah well, one thing that you touched on is you said spiritually and mentally how taxing it was. But another part of that I didn't realize until I read your book was how emotionally taxing it was, not only on you, but on your team as well. Um, you talk about your wife had to shield you a lot, from a lot of the kickback or negative things that were happening. There was a lot of haters on social media, some things like that. Um, how did the emotional side impact you and how did you put together such a great team to help you through it? Uh, yeah, I, I got I got lucky with my team. Um, obviously, wasn't lucky with my wife, my kids, but my two wingmen. I didn't I didn't know them like as well as I do now, mm-hmm. or or through the fifty. Right, they they just were two rock stars that I was fortunate enough to 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 be put with. Um, again, they were the only two guys that had circumstantial could do it. Right, I, Casey's a school teacher and could take the summers off. Mm-hmm. I lied to Aaron. I convinced him to quit his job, <laughs> and he came out with me. But these two guys are total studs, um, complete opposites of each other. Um, but it was exactly what I needed, and and I've never met two guys that just really, really went all in and and under and, and understood you know what it, what it means to communicate, what it means to not make excuses, and and just just show up every day and grind. And that's what these two kids did, and they it was it was an unbelievable team. But yeah, I mean. <clears throat> All of us just got broken down emotionally to the highest level because, um, you know, once once fatigue sets in, and then everything else gets amplified, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Something small seems massive, and 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 it it's hard to take yourself out of a situation and kind of be from the outside looking in, and uh, we we just had to get really good at doing that at not not making emotional decisions. We just we just got to the point where we understood we had to become master problem solvers, and there was there was always there's there's we, we just had the mindset that there was always a solution. Then mm. we that doesn't work that doesn't work that there it is got it let's run with that ah that didn't work that, <laughs> that you know and we just kept no and there was no hesitation it was like on it on it on it. Well, because you divide into so many different obstacles. Only one time you didn't have your shoes. Another, you know, it yeah. would rain. I know you had the water was too cold one time. You couldn't oh, breathe. We, we, chased, we chased a hurricane for three days and a panic <laughs> attack. And we didn't know how I was going to, what food. We hit a deer. We hit a deer in the middle of the night between day six and seven. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't know 
we didn't plan on a generator being out and not having air conditioning and being able to bring food and and you know perishables are now no longer part of our scenario and we were at the mercy of what everybody was bringing us that day um you you just can't you just can't plan for everything and and, and that's that's another big thing that that people need to understand is is there's no perfect plan and you can plan your way to a failure and at some point in time you got to go okay Th- this is it, and we're gonna we're gonna run with this and figure it out along the way, mm-hmm. um, because I've just seen so many people be too rigid, and too dead set on their plan, or they're trying to keep. I could literally it's three it was three years ago, right? I could be planning the fifty still today, uh, trying to get it right, and not ever knowing. And there's just so many unknowns with, yeah. with things, and 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 uh, you know going back to being rigid. People are too rigid, and they're not they're not willing to flow. Mm. And be open and oh this this door's this door's cracked open maybe I should open it a little bit more right and and go down that road and they just said they have it in their mind this is where I'm going and this is how I'm supposed to go there and and I think the more people open up their mind and and kind of allow inspiration or, or gut feeling to take them where they're supposed to go they'll be much more successful. Well, I think from a happiness level, I know in my own life, um, once I quit putting this expectation of what my life needed to look like yeah. and just let it kind of I mean obviously you want to build it by design you want to put into place these plans but you have to be willing to move pivot and adjust whenever the occasion calls for it we had a similar experience um, you were in the mortgage industry I'm in real estate obviously yeah. in 2007 2008 I mean you had a full mortgage company going yeah. and one of the coolest things looking back I guess that you talk about a lot in your book is the mortgage crisis hadn't happened, which at the time was really tough on you, it sounded like. I'll let you get into that a little bit. But you would still maybe doing something you hated, selling yeah. mortgages instead of this life that you've created. Yeah, it was, it was such a such a horrible time, but such a, an unbelievable outcome for us. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's, it's those moments that you can look back and say, that, that was a defining moment. And I could still be wallowing in, in that loss, or I could have could and did turn it into an opportunity and a and a shifting point in my life and hey that door that door slammed shut but hey maybe this one creeped open a little bit right and uh, and we did we lost everything but but it brought us so close as a family and and really um you know a lot it was an opportunity to chase a passion and almost get me out of something that i really wasn't <laughs> enjoying and I, pr- I probably would still be doing it today and, and just be probably not 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 anywhere close to the happiness that I have today. Yeah, well, and the platform that you've been able to build to touch so many lives now as well. I mean, you touch lives that you don't even know every day. Yeah. And that's pretty cool to think about, right? It's way cool. The, just the ripple effect. Um, I mean, last just last year alone, I got to speak in 30 countries. That's amazing. Um, no, no way mortgage takes me to 30, <laughs> 30 countries in front of these audiences and have the impact. And then the emails we get and the ripple from that and... And it's crazy because, you know, you hear the statistic of only 10% of people will, or less will reach out to you and tell you the good or the bad. There's 90% that we don't even know about that we're impacting that, that is just overwhelming to me. And it really, really that's, that's the really cool part. And that's why, that's why we're developing all these, these coaching programs and things because people are, people are stuck. Yeah. People are stuck and they just don't, don't have either a, a mentor or a cheerleader or the knowledge base to, to take something to another level or have a breakthrough. And, and if, uh, if, if we can do it with, with our messaging, then, then that's awesome. No, I love that. And it sounds like that's what you've been focusing a lot on now is the speaking and the coaching. 
how different is it in the coaching side where you don't control necessarily the outcome of what somebody's behaviors are as much as your own? How have you been able to adapt that? Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> uh, it, it is frustrating because, you know, I, I've seen a norm where people are like, this is, this is what I want. This is what I want. And they, they know it. And then once I lay out the path of this is how to get what you want, they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know that I want, sure that. I want that. I don't, I don't think I want that. And so there's just a, a, an overwhelming majority of people that just aren't willing to do the work. Um, and uh, and uh, I just have to come to grips with that. I don't have any control over that. I'm going to give you the tools. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through it and I'll, and I'll hold your hand for as long as you want. But as soon as you don't show up every single day and you don't put in the work required, it's your, hey man, it's your dream. It's your dream, and if you don't want to show up, then I, you know. Yeah, I coach. Enjoy. I coach real estate agents, and one of the things I always say is, I'm not going to talk you into going to work every day. Yeah. I'll guide you. I'll give you the steps to be successful if you want to do this. It's going to work, because success really is. It's a science, right? You do X, Y is the result. You yeah. saw that with your training, and when people see what the formula is, sometimes they just don't want to follow the path and how hard it maybe is. Yeah, most people aren't willing to do the work. Right. Well, one thing you talked about was when your uh, mortgage and everything failed, it brought your family much closer. You've said that you married way up. Oh. When did you know that you struck gold with your, uh, with your wife? Every morning when I wake up. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she, she's unbelievable. Just, just the perfect mother, uh, just the perfect wife, um, the perfect support system. Uh, we're best friends. So yeah, it's just just every single day. It's a reminder. I mean, we just we just went to Vegas and played eighteen holes together and just just laughed and had some fun, and uh, it's just it's just a good place to be. We, we we're like we've got to that point in our lives with our kids where we can just like, hey, we'll be back in two days. Food <laughs> in the fridge. Well, you check, have five check kids, it. right? Yeah, five kids. Uh, and eight she, eight to fifteen. And she, Sunny, uh, Sunny, uh, and the kids they followed you along in a motorhome the entire path. Yeah, we, we were heavily criticized for, for choosing to do this in June and July. Two hottest months of the summer, right? Right. You know, you're chasing weather patterns throughout the south, um, massive humidity. And I was like, these are the only two months I'm willing to do it because that's when my kids are out of school. Mm. And uh, I, w I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the, the same impact, the same success had, had they not been there. And, and Sunny, really, when things started to go south and I was consciously unconscious, um, it really took her stepping to the table and going, look, now this, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, you are getting back on track. You are doing this. We're doing this. And she really pulled all the strings to make it all come together. It was, it was pretty cool. So how did you form a why big enough? Because I have my dreams and goals. And I'll be honest, man, I, I don't think I could have pulled off even one triathlon after going through the marathon. I would have to really get my mind around what that mentally would take for me as much as anything. And for you to do 50 in 50 days in 50 states, just the sheer magnitude of getting yourself to that spot, how did you create a why that was big enough that you were able to, when things went south, because so many things did go wrong. As I read the book, I realized this. How were you able to get yourself um, through all that? What was your why and how did you create a why that big? Yeah, you know, initially it's, you know, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Um, I've got social media sponsors. I mean, I've got social media uh, watching me. I've got sponsor obligations. Um, uh, my family has sacrificed. And so all of these things become whys. And, um, you know, th there's a difference between a why and a purpose. Um, and as you're going, your why, your whys will change. And sometimes 
one Y isn't enough and you got to put two or three Ys together and I call it my bag of Ys, right? Like when I'm suffering, I'll reach in, I'll pull one up like, okay, that, that's, that's good, but it's not strong enough right now. And I pull out a second one, I put them together and three and four and I'm like, okay, now I, I need six Ys today to get through this moment. Um, and then, and then once you go through your whole bag you've got to have a purpose and, uh, in two, 2008, we lost everything, right? And they took away my house, everything inside of it and, and stripped us of everything. And, uh, and I said, they'll never take my house away again from me. And every time as I was riding on the 50 and I passed a nice house, I was like, I'm, I'm going to build a house for Sonny. And I passed a golf course and I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that course. And then I'd, uh, I'd hear a motorcycle. And uh, all these things became my purpose in getting my life back and uh, just being back in control. And, uh, and that, that was the overwhelming, you know, why. And now, now we've got, I, I knew if I got on the other side of the 50, uh, doors would open. Sure. I didn't yeah, know which yeah. ones. I didn't know how many. I knew enough would open. And so that became just the massive driving force to be back in control. Because I, I fail at this. My option is mortgage, sales which I'm fine and I can be successful at, but I want success and happiness. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's powerful to me. And so, I, you know, that, that was my purpose. Mm. Was, uh, give, you know, Sonny had sacrificed in the kids for a decade, right? Watched me do this and, and supported me through it. And, and I was like, this will all be for nothing if I don't make these 50 days. And, uh, and then once, once we got to the other side of that, it was, it was just a matter of choosing which doors we wanted to open up and blaze through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, the, door, the speaking door opened, and I was pushed through it. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't love it. I'm, I'm building a house right now, so I never have to leave my house, right? Um, and, and we're creating online platforms so we can have a scalable, bigger impact, right? Um, but, man, the, the impact we're having speaking is something I never thought I would be doing. Um, you're right, being so rigid, back to that of what, you know, look, seeing what something looks and feels like my goal initially was to, to have impact on people and mm-hmm. I thought it was through you know just coaching my athletes and this and that yeah this door opens up and I'm like holding on the door frame of it and then I get a little push through and it's opened up this whole new world of impact well I know like just one example you would have obviously never known but you spoke at door to door con Mm. And I sent one of my agents on my team to, we were men in a booth while we were there. Okay. And I, you know, I texted him, I said, hey, how's it going? Are we getting any people coming by the booth? And he was like, well, no, pretty much nobody stopped by all morning, but it's been way worth it. I just heard one of the best speeches that I've ever heard. And it was you up there, you know, telling your story. And so that was super impactful. Everybody that hears your story, it's hard. If people don't really fully understand what this means, I mean, one triathlon, well, it's an Ironman triathlon is what you did, which is 26.2 mile run, a full marathon, 112 miles on a bike. And a lot of times these, you didn't know these states, you'd never been to these courses. So a lot of people would have hills and mountains and things like that, right? Curse them. (laughs) And it's, is it 2.4 mile swim? Yeah. 2.4 miles. And what's interesting about all the states that we had to create, like I created all 50 courses. Um, cause obviously there's no Ironmans during the week. These are all Mm self-propelled. Um, but, um, I, I, I had to create all 50 courses online on Google earth. And so I covered every inch of every one of these courses oh, wow. for years, you know, it took two and a half years to do the logistics and all this. People don't realize that too. It wasn't just, <laughs> you didn't just the 50 come days up with an and idea. show up. Yeah. It, I mean, the planning and logistics behind this, but that goes into a whole nother topic, which is vision and visualizing something. And 
having so much belief and conviction that you've, you've already done it. And I, like I said, I had to plan all 50 of these courses. And I covered every inch of every course before ever getting on that first plane and going to Hawaii, right? Mm -hmm. you got to combine your vision with you know, massive amounts of action and work. But um, once I did that and my vision was so strong, I'd crossed all 50 before starting, right? And I knew, I just, I just knew. There was no doubt. I love that. Was there ever a moment, I know, I think it was on your 30th day, you crashed or you just stopped, you threw your bike, yeah. started crying. Yeah, was there yeah. ever a moment, was that the toughest moment when you just yeah. thought maybe this ain't going to happen? You know, uh, so physically the toughest moment was, you know, 16, 17, 18. Your, your body is is still so much to go mm -hmm. and you're still learning how to do an Ironman every day. And then we crashed on day 18. I fell asleep on the bike and crashed. Um, massive foot trauma. My tendons were starting to to weaken or let go. Um, this, you know, Everything was starting to happen physically. My body was saying, okay, I either have to kill you or adapt because you're going to do an Ironman every single day. So well, you you hurt your shoulder on day five. Day five or you, basically for swimming, you could tore my shoulder. Yeah, so I had to figure I, back to the basics, right? Become an expert of the basics. How many reps did I do in the pool where I could go? Okay, you you know the swim stroke. You just have to manage the pain for the next forty five days, and go back to the basics. When it becomes the hardest, it should become the easiest because you can just go through the basics. So for forty five days, shoulder never got better. I just learned how to manage that pain and do the basics every day in the water. And then, so 16, 17, and 18, massive trauma. My body's still trying to figure it out. And then it goes, oh, you, you are doing an Ironman every single day. I'm now going to adapt and start to recover and heal you throughout this process. And it was amazing to watch that. And then, and then on day 30, when I had that emotional, spiritual collapse, um, where I was just like, I'm done. I, I can't manage the pain anymore. This isn't worth it. And then I had that. It was about an eight-minute conversation with myself crying on the side of the road to where it was like, okay, what, what, what is your purpose? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. You know who you are. You know who you want to be. What, what needs to take place? And it was, it was letting go and allowing the, the crew to do their job and trusting in them and for me to go almost inward to where it, it, was, it was almost a rebirth on that, on that 30th day to where the Iron Cowboy was really born and kind of... You know, I, I use my, my yellow sunglasses as, as a metaphor. I put these on, and I'm, I'm no longer James. Mm -hmm. I'm the Iron Cowboy. And, and I, I want people to find their Iron Cowboy. I want you to be backed into a corner enough to where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm either going to become the best version of myself, or I'm going to quit. And early on, I said, this is what I want. I want to know what I made of when I reached that moment. And I, I got up, and I put on my sunglasses, and I started to pedal. And those last 20... Or my fastest 20. The last 20 triathlons. The last 20 of yeah, the 50 yeah, were my fastest. Yeah. yeah, I saw that you kind of got stronger as you went on. After 30 ones, I made the decision. Got it. So how do you help people? Because you hear that a lot, create this alter ego that you can go to that place and draw strength from that. And you did that so well. How do you coach or help other people to get to that spot? Yeah, it goes back to intentionally becoming uncomfortable hmm. and, and facing those, those fears. And, and understanding what they are and, and just that a fear is just an emotion. It, it, whether you're excited or you're scared, it's the same fear, the same reaction, the same physiological things are happening to your body. It's understanding how to manage those and overcome them. So I, I, wanna, I, want, I want people to take their three scariest th things or five scariest things and then let's isolate the least scary of those five. 
and then let's start breaking that down into different elements and find the least scary of the least scary, right? And then let's attack that. And then let's overcome that smallest of fears. Now, success breeds success, confidence breeds confidence, and we can start attacking these fears in, a, in an order to where we start overcoming them. And some people, let's take height. Some people, you got to take them into the airplane and throw them out. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's how they're going to do it. And somebody, it's going to be, look, let's get on that chair and let's jump off. Mm. And I'm, I'm going to hold your hand while you do it, right? And so it's very individualized to people, but we have to, you have to realize what your fears are first, and then we got to start breaking them down and then a plan of attack to, to, to overcome those. I got you. Okay. Well, I love that. It's, um, you're making me, my mind is just racing right now sure. with things in my yeah. own life that I've kind of put on the back burner that I say, cause you said something just barely, I hope the audience caught this. I want to point it out in case not, but you said your body realized, oh, this is happening. And it started to adapt and strengthen itself against the sickness, against the fatigue. Um, I guess that applies to about anything, right? Whether it's sure. a mental or physical muscle in your body. Yeah, what, what was amazing was um, early, early on during the training process, I, I said to myself, I don't have the luxury of getting sick. I just don't. Mm -hmm. And so I made a decision. I'm not going to get sick until after the 50. I'm just not. Every member of the crew, every one of my kids all got sick. And of anybody, I should have got sick because my immune system was the most susceptible. I had broken it down completely. Mm -hmm. I didn't get sick. Is because I made a mental decision that I didn't have the luxury in order to do that. And so my body just said, he, he can't get sick. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to not get him sick. Yeah. And, then it, and then it literally said, he's going to do an Ironman tomorrow. I have to figure out a way to recoup. I have the next four hours while he sleeps to figure that out because he's going to wake up and he's going to get in the pool and he's going to do it again. No, that mental fortitude, man, it, I'm, I literally draw strength on just hearing that because over and over as I coach people, sometimes people look at obstacles as the biggest, these big obstacles that really aren't in our lives. And I think that muscle that you grew, I mean, you've been doing it since a kid. You talked about when you were little, you were wrestling and yeah. you, you lost all of your, your first year, you lost every match. Pretty much. And by your senior year, you were undefeated, undefeated right? Yeah. State champion yeah. and everything else. Um, but growing into that person, I think people underestimate, like you said, is people look at you now and they say, well, this is an ultra athlete. This guy is, you know, one of the best in the world at, at competing in these races. But you went from basically not being able to do a fun run to being the Ironman in a very short amount of time, essentially four yeah. or five years. Yeah, uh, I, I really did. I suffered through my first short run with my wife and then, uh, she literally called me pathetic and signed me up for the Salt Lake City Marathon, which was this past weekend, oh, okay. the anniversary of it. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the story's, in, yeah, this story's in, in the book where um, I went to some, I'm a big MMA fan, yeah. um, and I went to some fights that night in Salt Lake City after the marathon, and my knees swelled up so bad I couldn't walk out of the stadium. I had to get wheelchaired out. And um, it was just one of those defining moments where I was like, my knees hurt because I don't run, not because I have bad knees. And I'm going to figure this out. And I, and I, and I found sprint triathlon and then just dove into triathlon. and just Because I love the diversity of it. I didn't love just the running, um, but I love the diversity of it. And I was like, there's thousands, millions of runners out there that do this pain-free. Why, why was I in so much pain? And it was because I, I just wasn't strong enough. I didn't have enough experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm and I, going back to biting off a goal that's too big and not giving it the time respect. I see people jumping to an Ironman. This is my first, this is my first triathlon. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. 
what kind of experience do you want to have, right? What, what, what do you want to do this out? Yes, we can get you across the finish line, but what's it going to feel like, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so for me, just, just overcoming that, I'm, I'm an average, ordinary person. I, I really am. I just apply sound principles and create habits and show up every single day and outwork the next guy knowing what I'm working towards, right? Like, I, I'm, I have no business being entered in these two two mountain bike races in, in South Africa and Switzerland <laughs> next year. They're called the, the Cape Epic and Swiss Epic. Okay. I have no business, but I know I have 18 months and I will do everything in my capacity between now and then and I will be successful in these races. I love that. Well, you didn't have a whole lot of time to... I, I, I like to hear that you've been able to travel so many places now and have this other part of your life that you get to experience maybe a little bit more some of the places you're going to. Was there any place along the 50? Because you didn't have time to see anything. I know you like had a swim with your kids for an hour and I think it was Florida or something that was like your big let it go moment. Um, was there anything or any place in particular along the path that you, as you're riding your bike or running your, oh, I definitely need to come back to this spot? Not on the 50, no. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, no, not on the 50. Yeah. I, uh, you were just so tunnel vision. I was so, so, done. so tunnel vision. And it was, it was almost a traumatic time. Mm-hmm. Um, what's come of the 50 is a f- phenomenal memory. Um, during the 50, I mean, it was, I, I watch video footage and I'm like, Ugh, that is, <laughs> that is some, like I, I play a promo, a three minute promo before I go up on stage. Um, and it's footage from the documentary that we took. And there's, there's one clip in there where I'm on the 50th day and they, just the angle that they get my face, I, I'm almost dead. And uh, I see that. And I, right before I get up on stage, I get like get choked up every time. And I should, I, I should probably not watch this clip <laughs> when I get up there every day. But, but it, for, for I, I, didn't read, I didn't read the audio version of my book because I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was very, very emotional for me to do it and still live it. And, um, and you know, my wife and I have had conversations now where she's like, Man, the fifty seems like it was so long ago, and I'm like, no, I live it every day. So like, I'm still talking about it, and so it's still it's still very very raw for me. Um, but you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything, and the way that we did it, and how we did it, and the lessons and the people and everything, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. Well, and the fiftieth one was kind of cool. You got to time it with Utah. Obviously, you did that on purpose. This is your home base. A um, couple things about that. Is there anything in particular about Utah that you chose it as your home? Uh, that gives you advantages in these competitions? Um, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't into triathlon when I moved to Utah, um, but it is the perfect place to train. Uh, I mean, we live at 5,500 feet. I can climb my bike to 12,000 feet. Um, beautiful trails, um, great seasons, open water swimming. It's awesome to live and train here. Yeah, yeah. I can go, I, I've stopped looking at courses because I don't, I don't care. I can go anywhere in the world and not be intimidated by the terrain, the landscape. Because of what you've experienced. Because in of Utah. what I experienced here in Utah. I mean, I did. I did arguably four of the hardest Ironmans in the world, or they're called extreme, um, I, uh, full distance. Um, I did it in the Highlands of Scotland, um, the Swiss Alps, the fjords of Norway, and the Alaska Mountains. I did all four of those in one year. First athlete to do that, and um, it wasn't the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, it was an adventure, uh, be, just because of where I train and, and what we do and the experiences that I've had. And so it was, uh, yeah, I, I love living and training here. No, I bet. What was the experience 
um, in Utah as you're coming through the finish? Because Utah was one of your toughest triathlons. The water was too cold. I believe they had you swimming in Deer Creek, right? So, so normal, normally July and normal me, it's that water's not cold, mm -hmm. and it wasn't cold to everybody else. Four percent beaten down, four percent body fat and beaten down Iron Cowboy. That water was cold, and, and I legitimately had a panic attack. 3,500 people show up, right? Right. 3,500 people show up, <laughs> this race atmosphere, everybody's super excited. And when the gun goes off to start our final day, it was a race for everybody else. Ah. And, and I had been in, you know, I've, you know, I warm up during the swim, and that's when I kind of start waking up and going through the motions. And the water was cold, and my heart rate goes from zero to 500, you know, and there's so many people around me, and, and I, the, the wingman had to, the, to come, come around me and protect me for a second and be like, look, it's going to be okay. And they, they talked me through this moment, and, and we said, everybody go. And mm -hmm. we just, we just we're going we're gonna to get through this, this, this moment. And, uh, and they got me through that, and then we got on the bike, and then, 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 it, was, then it was a lot of fun. Yeah, what was the last leg of the marathon you're you've finished it i mean you were literally on your last mile coming in put us in that situation what what were you experiencing yeah just just an out-of-body experience um i on the 50 i never had two really bad days in a row and uh wyoming day 48 was a disaster <laughs> like i had miscalculated my miles on the run and um, when, my, when my watch turned 26-2, I stopped dead in my tracks and I said, come pick me up. Come. <laughs> I, this is where I am. Come get me. I'm not taking another step. Everything hurts so bad. And then, and then uh, I got in the van and I just I fell into the van and just passed out. And uh, I woke up and I was like, yes, Utah's in two days. And I had that experience yesterday. So chances are great based on the last 50 days, I'm going to have a good day in Utah. Mm -hmm. And I had a great day in Idaho, and then an even better day in Utah. And uh, it, it was just a combination of final one. I didn't have to hold back anymore. I, I got to sleep in a non-moving bed that night. I was home. 3,500 people showed up. Um, the, the support was unbelievable. And, uh, man, we, those last, those last three miles, we dipped under seven-minute miles. Wow. And we shed everybody, and my coach was like, I, I cannot comprehend. Like, had he not been there, he wouldn't have ever believed it. And my coach, David Warden, total stud, local, local guy, but world-renowned. Um, but yeah, that, that, that final and 50th day, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, it was just the, the culmination of a decade of sacrifice and hard work. And, um, and, and new, it, was just a, it was just a milestone, and uh, it, it just opened up some doors. Oh, that's pretty special. And to be able to experience it with your kids, I think there's a bond there. When you go through any adversity together, I think some of those tightest relationships in the world revolve around um, your middle school, high school years, because that's when you have a lot of adversity, you're growing into things. And then it's like sports teams that go through adversity, um, military gets that experience. And then I think the next thing you do is going through trials as a family and to experience that and your kids being able to watch their dad do something that amazing. Um, if you could sit in on a, you know, maybe eavesdrop on your kids talking to their friends, uh, describing their dad, what would you hope they would say about you? Um, just that, I, just that I love them, and that uh, that I'm a good dad. Um, but it, it it's fun. 
you know, they're still the age where I'm a superhero though. <laughs> so they're a superhero to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's a lot of fun, and, and I think there was there's a massive benefit to them watching me do what I did, and 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 the lessons that they learned. I've got five unbelievably, just unbelievable kids that are that are driven, that understand goals, that understand you say you're going to do something, you do it. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that was another huge part of why I was able to do what I did was because I was like, no, my, my kids are all watching and they're going to take this as an example for the rest of their lives and on what you do in, in these types of situations. And uh, th- there isn't a, a day that d- something doesn't come up about the 50 or an example or this and that as is a teaching moment for, for the kids. And um, yeah, it's great. We, we did it together as, as a family and they, they get that and they're, they're part of it. And they like to see, you know, my Maverick commercials and, and <laughs> things like that. And they love that we can go in there and get a, get a, get a slushie. Yeah. Do you take them traveling when you go um, to other countries and things like that? Um, not right now because, um, when, when I go out, I, I do 10 events mm. and stack them day, 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 day. Like I, I did in South America. You're good did, at doing that. Yeah. <laughs> South America, we did eight, eight countries in eight days. In India, we did eight cities in, you know, nine days. And we did 10 countries in the Middle East in 12 days. And so it's just, it's, it's straight up business right now. It's, it's going gotcha. out and having as much impact as we can. One, we're building a house right now here in Linden. And once we get to the other side of that build... We'll, we'll dial it back a bunch and then I'll start bringing the kids on, on a couple of the different adventures or if my wife wants to come or whatnot. But it, it's tough too because when they're in school full time and I, I've got to be gone for a week, mm-hmm. you know, um, doesn't make sense to go to Australia for a day. Mm-hmm. I just spent two and a half weeks in Australia um, and I just can't take the kids up. Well, so, I think one of the cool things about your story is I know for a lot of people when they accomplish a life goal, um, I mean, you did something that nobody else has even fathomed doing. Uh, it's very hard for them to stay motivated for the next thing. But you went into speaking, what you said has been pretty difficult for you. Yeah. Um, has that helped you in not getting that kind of, what am I going to do now? Because I know you get asked all the time, what's next? But for you to pivot into something that you aren't as comfortable with, was that actually helpful to keep your mind occupied and learning and growing? Yeah, it, it, it was good. And, you know, because I talk about from stage becoming intentionally uh, uncomfortable intentionally. And uh, every time I get up on stage, I'm intentionally becoming uncomfortable. Um, but, uh, but I'm learning and growing it. I'm attacking it just like I did the 50. Like, I want to become one of the best speakers ever because I want to have that type of impact, right? And yeah. so I, I'm really working on it. And every day I'm not satisfied with my presentation or the, the visuals or the, the delivery. And I'm always tweaking and changing. And how can, we, how can we bring the most impact out of this, right? Yeah. Well, thanks for your impact on me, on everybody, man. I, this is this is an interview. I know your schedule is crazy, and I just appreciate you making the time. I, you know, again, I followed your whole journey. The whole fifty days, we would follow you online. I went to you. You did a fundraiser just before, and yeah. it's actually funny. I was with my buddy Travis Prince, and we went to it just because we wanted to be a part of the story, kind of just see it. You know, sure. I wanted to wanted to see you before you started it. And I remember we were there was an auction. And there wasn't that many people bidding. And me and Travis looked at each other we're like, dude, we need to bid this stuff up. This is like so cool. And um, I ended up buying a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've to this day, this is a sad confession, but I've never used it. I just, I wanted to win and just do something to support you. But I ended up dropping, you know, like three grand on a mountain bike. And I'm not a mountain biker. And I, maybe I should 
try and give it a shot. But it was just funny because to this day, though, that mountain bike, like... It represents every, It does. It represents, to me, like, that support. I was going to donate and help anyway, so it was just kind of cool. And one day, when anytime I use that mountain bike going forward, though, I can anchor that to what you did, and it's going to be some easy riding a lot of times. Awesome. So that's it's, it's that's really, really cool. cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate you. Yeah, we'll attach a bunch of links. I've watched the documentary. It's amazing. Pick up the book, Iron Cowboy. Um, I read it. If The thing I loved about the book, real quick plug for you on that, is I didn't understand how much adversity it truly was in each triathlon. You just hear it, 50 and 56. And because it's so large, you don't micro break down the difficulty of the day-to-day, but just the sheer logistics of everything that was happening. And you really do a good job in the book of bringing that to light. And to me, that was empowering oh thank you and, and what we're trying to do with the book it's called redefine impossible and it's it's not it's not and hopefully you'll agree it's not a it's not just a book about swimming biking and running mm. it's a book about overcoming and and dealing with adversity and still understanding the big picture and having belief in yourself and putting that team around you and the the people that you meet along the way and it's a journey that can be applied to any anybody's lives and it's it's an easy read but it's a i, th- I think it's an impactful read um, and, and we, we hope to, to continue to get the book out there. Yeah, anybody that reads it, it your day-to-day, anything that you go through is going to seem not easier but more doable, like you said, redefining the impossible. So yeah. Thanks cool. again, man. Thanks, Jimmy. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you for listening to The Jimmy Rec Show, and we hope we've inspired you to make your life and the lives of others extraordinary. We'd love to hear feedback about this episode or any others. Contact us at thejimmyrexshow.com or find us through all of our social media channels.